From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Wade Menezes. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. You can also text the letters EWTN to 55000 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. You know, you give a guy a couple days off and he forgets how to do his job. It's really, it's just a sad state of affairs here. No, I'm just kidding. I hope you're not talking about me. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let you and McCall figure out who I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> welcome to EWTN's Open Line Tuesday. Uh, Father Wade Menezes is in the house. If you've got a question for Father Wade, uh, give us a call. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, that number is 1-205-271-2985. And we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at one 205 2712985 you can always send us an email openline at ewtn.com or you can text your question to father wade text the letters ewtn to 55000 wait for a response text your first name and your question message and data rates may apply i'm jack williams michael mccall sort of back in the saddle again behind the glass spinning the dials uh, if you'd like to hear the first two or three seconds of the intro music, just listen to the encore tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Um, He'll have it all fixed by then. And uh, <laughs> Jeff Burson handling our social media efforts. So if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, you can type a question into that chat window, and it may find its way to us by the end of the hour. And uh, Matt Gubensky is screening your phone calls. And thank goodness you're on the telephone, and you don't have to see him in his all-black Johnny Cash outfit today, except for his Baltimore Orioles logo on his shirt. So, uh, at any rate, you can only do so much. Father Wade, how are you? I'm doing great, Jack, and it sounds like he's dressed up almost like a Fathers of Mercy, but not quite all in black. (laughs) But how am I doing, Jack? I'm doing great because I'm looking forward to a good steak and a good glass of red wine tonight because it's a feast day, and we Catholics love feasts and solemnities. And so as I said this morning when I preached on this wonderful feast of the conversion of St. Paul this morning at the Divine Mercy Chapel here at the Fathers of Mercy for our 7.30 a.m. Mass, I began my homily by saying, It's a great day to eat out and treat yourself to a nice meal or go out and buy a steak and grill if it's not too cold outside. (laughs) Grill a steak and uh, have a celebration in honor of this great feast of the conversion of St. Paul this January 25th. And a shout out today, January 25th, to my cousin Sadie out in California who turns nine today, whose mother, also my cousin Heather, I know grills very well because she sends me these uh, photos now and again via the smartphone of these wonderful, tasty-looking grillings that she's doing outside, especially during the spring and summer months. So I don't know what they're having tonight. Heather, why? Why do you do that, Heather? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So for all I know, uh, Sadie on our birthday is getting a steak, and so uh, we celebrate with Sadie today. But this great conversion of St. Paul the Apostle, I'm telling you, is just a, a fantastic one, Jack, that I think gets overlooked 
in regards to its importance. It's on the universal calendar across the globe. The Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, who was once a ferocious opponent and persecutor of Christians, a murderer even, huh? reveals that the mercy of God is more powerful than human sinfulness. God does not look for those who are already good or worthy of love as we do as humans. No, it is precisely God's love which makes us good. In God's divine providence, Paul's experience of being rescued from sin made him all the more conscious of the love of Jesus. And I want to quote here something I've quoted in the past, Divus in Misericordia, John Paul II, now St. John Paul II, his 1980 encyclical on the mercy of God, he says, mercy is who God is, it's love's second name. God is more interested in our future than in our past. He's more interested in the kind of person we can yet become than in the kind of person we used to be. While indeed taking our sins seriously, no doubt whether mortal or venial, even the most hideous and wicked, like murder, God never, ever takes those sins as the last word. Why? Because he knows he's made us in his image and likeness. He knows he calls us constantly to a life of his sanctifying grace. And he knows he is our God who is bigger than any sin we might ever commit, even the most hideous or wicked, again, mortal sin. And we see this with Paul's life, his conversion. Huh? In fact, he says in 1 Timothy, Jack, he says, I was dealt with mercifully so that in me, as an extreme case, he's admitting he was an extreme case of conversion, Jesus Christ might display all of his patience and that I might become an example to others. First Timothy 16. How awesome is that? The literal voice of Jesus, which revealed to Paul his great need for mercy, God's mercy, transformed him into a zealous apostle for the rest of his days in life. And St. Catherine of Siena gives us these words about Paul. She says, quote, Courageously he proclaimed the truth, and he became a vessel of love filled with fire to carry and preach God's word. Now the word conversion, Jack, comes from the Latin conversio, meaning to turn around. In the New Testament, the Greek writers use the word metanoia, meaning a change of heart specifically, particularly toward repentance, that is a turning away from sin in one's life. And that's very, very important to remember as well. Now, I want to state this. This is crucial to this springboard topic today. Part of the process of authentic conversion is moving forward and not looking back. For example, not confessing a sin that you've already confessed and have not redone and feel the need to go back and confess it again. It's not there to confess. you got to move forward. Now, if you commit the sin again, that's a different story. But otherwise, move forward. This is part and parcel with the process of conversion. And I want to share five great spiritual quotes from Scripture that tell us just this. Luke 9, verse 62, Jesus says himself, No one who puts a hand to the plow and keeps looking back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. How about that to wake us up, right? How about Philippians 3.13? St. Paul says, quote, I focus on this one thing and one thing only, forgetting the past and looking forward only to what lies ahead. Amen to that. What great counsel that is. And how about 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22? Easy to remember with all those twos. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. Do not be like a dog that keeps returning to its own vomit, quoting Proverbs 26, 11, nor be like a sow that after washing herself returns to wallow in the mud of her mire. 
No, we got to move forward. This is part and parcel with the process of authentic conversion, and it's a big part of, of the process of conversion. Once Paul converted Jack, he never looked back. He knew that God dealt with him as an extreme case, as he says in 1 Timothy 1.16. In John 8.11, Jesus himself to the woman caught in adultery, he says, go and sin no more after he asks her, woman, where did they all go, the men that were ready to condemn you? Are none of them left here to continue to do that? She says, no one, sir. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, Jack, I don't know about you, but when I tell someone to go, quote unquote, I'm telling them to go forward, not backwards. Go, meaning forward. huh? And lastly, our, our Old Testament quote of these five, the rest were all New Testament quotes, Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2. Isaiah says to God, he says, I will go forward confidently now and no longer be afraid. God is the source of my strength. God is the tower of my defense. The Lord has made himself my protector. And remember the word confidence. I've said this many times on Open Line Tuesday. The, the word confidence the, in, the, in its Latin root is confide, with faith. In other words, to be confident in something is precisely to be with faith in that same something. Huh? So again, Isaiah says, I will go forward confidently now. In other words, I will go forward with faith now and no longer be afraid. God is the source of my strength, the tower of my defense, the Lord has made himself my protector. What a gift we have in the sacrament of penance and reconciliation. Holy confession, Jack, huh? Uh, to be able to move forward, go forward. So a great, great feast day today that I think is often overlooked in this regard. It's often overlooked in its greatness and exactly what it means for the individual. And it's such a beautiful feast this day of January 25th, every year on the church's universal calendar, the conversion of the Apostle St. Paul. I want our listeners today, Jack, to call in and tell us about their conversion. I'm not asking for a full confession. No, not at all. Remember a couple weeks ago, uh, we talked about reverts and converts, huh? Uh, and some called that day to share their story. I'm talking about a more of a spiritual conversion. Uh, a couple weeks back, we were talking about converts and reverts, meaning into the church itself as an institution. Today, I'm talking about the process of conversion spiritually. Uh, was it a person that led you to your conversion by their own example? Was it an event? Was your conversion gradual or was your conversion sudden? What were the practices you immediately took on to help support that conversion? Give us a call today at Open Line Tuesday. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Grab one of these open phone lines at 833-288-3986. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. Or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. You know, I'm often touting... Uh, Father Wade and the Fathers of Mercy and their 14 exercises that will help you grow in the spiritual life. And one of those exercises is to have some sort of a good, solid Catholic daily reader 
to uh, get you rolling every day, uh, to move you forward. And I've got a great suggestion for you. It's a wife, uh, a wife, how am I doing? It's a book by my wife, Johnette Williams, called Graceful Living, Meditations to Help You Grow Closer to God Day by Day. Um, in this book, she'll share pearls of wisdom from the saints, from doctors of the church, and holy men and women designed to help you grow closer to God. Every daily reflection will prompt you to delve deeper into your prayer life and self-examination. Explore the timeless wisdom of Holy Mother Church with graceful living meditations to help you grow closer to God day by day. Available now at EWTN's Religious Catalog. That's EWTNRC.com. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Twelve minutes was not enough. By the way, it has something else to say. Yeah, you know, Jack, with these means of modern technology, i got to tell all my listeners right now that my cousin Heather, young Sadie's mother, just texted me and said, it's not steak tonight, but it is a great rump roast. (laughs) So I thought I'd share that with everybody. And Sadie says that she doesn't have a problem with the rump roast, but she wants cheese pizza with it. (laughs) So there you you have it. There you have it. (laughs) To the phones we go. Michael is first up today. He is in Spokane, Washington, listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Michael, you're on with Father Wade. Well, thank you. Thank you both. I was just talking to your call screener about Johnny Cash. I walked the line, (laughs) and then we talked about Alabama, Crimson Tide, Gonzaga basketball, so we're cooking. There you go. You know, yeah, with me, um, Gonzaga's number one, basketball. But conversion for me is a daily effort. Um, You know, sometimes I fall. I go to confession, sanctifying grace. And I think about the prodigal son always, which helps me. But could you talk more about Mary Magdalene, who I believe was the first person to see the risen Jesus? You know, I I sure will, uh, Michael, and you bring up a great point about how conversion is an ongoing process. You know, my springboard, unfortunately, is only to be, you know, eight to ten minutes, Uh, sometimes closer to 12 if Jack is nice to me that day. (laughs) But uh, one of the things I wanted to say is that Conversion involves both turning away from a past life and turning toward God, huh? We see that in the life of Mary Magdalene, resulting in an interior transformation of the person, himself or herself. Conversion can mean turning from sin to repentance, from laxity to fervor, or for example, from unbelief to faith, or from error to truth. That was a big one for Father John Harden when he talked about the truth, the pursuance of the good and the true and the beautiful. Turning away from wrong reason and error to turning toward right reason and truth. Huh? It includes the initial turning toward God away from atheism, for example, and turning toward moral virtue from vice. We see that in Mary Magdalene as well in her life. And turning toward belief in Christ from non-Christian religions toward the Christ, the Messiah, who has revealed himself as God, specifically the second person of the most holy and all-adored Trinity. And you know, it's interesting in John's Gospel that We're told that the men tell Jesus, Master, this woman was just caught. In other words, moments ago, just caught in the very act, they say, of adultery. Interesting, they don't say anything about the man she was with and the fact that he was committing adultery, huh? No, they bring her to Jesus. And Jesus, he goes down to the ground and begins to write with his finger twice, two different times. 
Till this day, we don't know specifically what he wrote, but many of the church fathers writing in the first seven centuries uh, provided theological conjecture about it. And, and what do they say? They say that Jesus was writing the sins in the sand of the men standing around. So, for example, Jesus could have taken his index finger and write the words, adulterers yourselves, or liar, or cheat, or wife beater. Maybe he was putting the gentleman's first name before it. The first names of the gentlemen who were actually standing around ready to cast stones at Mary Magdalene. And then what happens? They begin to go away one by one as he does this a second time. Very, very powerful scene. And then Jesus, I like to think of him still kneeling down toward her because she's down on the ground. They threw her down on the ground. And Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ shows this scene beautifully, in my personal opinion. Woman, where have they all gone? Are none of them left here to condemn you? No one, sir, she replies. Neither do I condemn you, he says. Go. There's that word meaning forward again, right? Go and sin no more. What a, what a beautiful truth that is. You know, Mary Magdalene is a very, very powerful saint. We are told in Scripture that our Lord cast seven demons out of her. And she's one of the most um, fruitful disciples of his. By several scripture accounts, she's the first one to have noticed that he was risen from the dead and went back to tell the head of the church, Peter and John, his brother, went back to tell them. So even though this woman had an extremely sinful past, huh? Extremely sinful past. Seven demons cast out of her, men ready to kill her with stones. Jesus is so merciful and, and, and warm and, and guiding towards her. Again, mercy is who God is. It's love's second name. God is more interested in our future than in our past. He's more interested in the kind of person we can yet become than in the kind of person we used to be. Huh? While indeed taking our sins seriously, no doubt, God never ever takes those sins as the last word. Why? Because he knows he's made us in his image and likeness. He knows he calls us constantly to a life of his sanctifying grace. And he knows he is our God who is bigger and stronger and more important than any sin of our past life. He's bigger than that. And so a great saint, an absolutely wonderful saint in Mary Magdalene, who shows us not only the authenticity, Michael, of, of conversion, but the fact that it can be lasting and the fact that it needs to be nourished constantly because she continued to be a disciple. Why? To continue to be fed by our Lord. So it's an ongoing process, which you intimated in the paraphrasing of your question at the beginning of your question. And thank you for that. Thank you so much, Michael, calling from Spokane, Washington. God bless you now. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Two lines open for you at 833-288-3986. We've got a conversion story from Leonard in Oakland, California, listening on the EWTN app. Leonard, welcome to the program. Hi. Hello, Leonard. Um, Thank you. Hi, Father Wade. Hello, thank you for your call, Leonard from Oakland. We appreciate it very much. Oakland isn't far from my hometown of Modesto, California. So thank you so much for your call today. You're welcome. My conversion, my story is uh, I was a born Catholic. Uh, I I used to go to church regularly on Sundays, but wasn't really that involved in, in, you know, in uh, church life. My mother 
And I never used to go go for confession. I used to go once in a while for confession, maybe once and maybe five years, six years. And I had a temptation of watching pornography and masturbation. So uh, last year, my mother sent me a link to um, watch Father Chris Ayler's uh, weekend speech. Every week he gives a speech. Or he gives a, he preaches about uh, you know the word of God. Uh, Father Chris Yellar from the National Friend of National Friend of, of the Divine Mercy in Massachusetts. That, that's right. He's one of the Marians of the Immaculate Conception, the same religious that order right, as Father yes. Don Calloway. Yes, that is that is absolutely right. And uh, ever since that day, uh, I have reformed. I have changed a lot. I'm saying the Rosary on a daily basis. And I'm off. I'm off that. I'm I'm off the temptation of. I've totally given up on on pornography and masturbation, and I'm I'm much happier today than what I was. Um, you know, previously, I'm very very happy today. Well, we thank you for that. That witness call, Leonard, you know, it's it's a very, very addictive behavior. Both of those behaviors can become very, very addictive. The Catechism teaches very beautifully uh, the benefits of pursuing the good and the true and the beautiful of self-mastery, especially in regards to the sexual faculty of the human person, which is a, a wonderful gift, but a very powerful gift, precisely because it is such a beautiful gift. And so the sexual faculty in the human person can be used to a greater, greater good or to a greater, greater evil. And the devil knows that. Uh, such activity takes us out of ourselves, makes us very selfish, uh, self-centered as opposed to being other-centered. And so we thank you for a great, great phone call, a great witness phone call, I like to call these types of calls, where you're able to share so much about your own life and how, how you were able to overcome that particular sin, that particular vice, uh, to be able to aid others. So we thank you so much, Leonard. God bless you. Uh, 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. It's a free telephone call anywhere in North America. 833-288-3986. We'll head to David in Birmingham, Alabama, listening on Guadalupe Radio. Um, David, what is your question today for Father Wade? Um, well, I just had a remark. I was just going to briefly tell my own conversion story, um, if, if I may proceed. Yes, go, yes. R- go right ahead. So I was raised in a Southern Baptist home where I was taught to fear the Lord and to love Jesus, and I never had doubts about God or His redemptive work, but about... 15, 16 years ago, I started doing uh, a lot of reading in in two different directions. One direction was in just church history. I've always been a a historical fiction fan, and I'd run across historical fiction from the Roman Empire, and, and I started reading historical fiction about the first and second century Christians, and I just got intrigued. Uh, and then I start. Then I started reading the Church Fathers, and as you know, someone who grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, it was astonishing to me to read 
um, St. Justin Martyr description in just a couple of decades after the death of the Apostle John of a church service and then a letter that he had written, I believe, to the Roman emperor um, describing a church service in order to um, to diffuse rumors about Christians being um, incestuous and Christians being cannibals because of, of the... Yeah. So, David, hang on the line. Don't go anywhere. We want to hear the rest of this uh, story about your conversion. We also are going to hear from Karen, Walter, and we've got plenty of time for your calls as well. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. One line open for you at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. We're talking to David in Birmingham, Alabama. David grew up a Southern Baptist and was a big fan of history and church history and started reading the Church Fathers. And David, you were a little surprised by some of the stuff you saw, huh? Well, it was just shocking to read uh, St. Justin Martyr, to read Tertullian's open letter to the Roman Senate in the 200s, where they describe a church service, which is clearly, recognizably, a Catholic service. Um, and then to go on to read that that the doctrine of transubstantiation, the real presence in the Eucharist, was universally held by the entire Church for basically 1,500 years. It was never in dispute, was never even in dispute with Martin Luther. Right. But, of course, uh, I was under the impression that it had always been meant to be a symbolic event. And then, and then the other big line of, of, investigation that I pursued was just the significance of Christ's incarnation, and how I came to believe that it was—and I think some of the Church Fathers have taught this, that God becoming man, becoming one of us, was something that was planned from the beginning, whether or not Adam had fallen or not that God had always meant to participate in his creation. And the significance of that, the significance that the second person of the Trinity has DNA, is living, breathing, human. And when he says things like, at the Last Supper, this is my body that's broken for you. This is my blood, which is shed for the sins of the world, that he can't be talking about something that's purely symbolic, because he's not purely symbolic. And Christ's presence, unlike what some of the Gnostics said or some of the other heretics said, he was flesh and blood, as John insisted in his Gospels, uh, that... This is the guy we touched, this is the guy we ate with, this is the guy we lived with. 
what we have seen, what we have seen, what we have heard at the beginning of John's Gospel, chapter 1, and also John chapter 6, the wonderful bread of life discourse where Jesus is not backed down after using the phrases, quote, uh, flesh and blood, uh, this is my body, this is my blood, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no light, life within you. Um, and, and those listening to this can't take it. How, how can this man give us his flesh and blood to eat? And Jesus doesn't back down. He goes even further into the discourse. So John chapter 6 is phenomenal in that regard. Uh, you know, you bring up a great point, David, um, and we thank you for your call today from Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, hopefully your regular visit to the beautiful uh, chapel of, of, of the Our Lady of the Angels there, where the daily televised Mass takes place from EWTN's grounds. But we also use the word conversion, and, and your witness call today makes this point very, very clear. We also use the word conversion in regards to what I talked about a couple weeks back in regards to reverts and converts, to refer to turning toward the fullness of the Christian truth in communion with the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. But even this is not the end of conversion once somebody comes in like yourself, say from a Baptist tradition as you witnessed to just now. Making the choice to join the church is just a milestone in one's ongoing journey toward heaven, right? Conversion is also a daily choice, as a previous caller pointed out, to turn our eyes and hearts back to God in everything we do, say, and think, which lines up with pursuing again the good, the true, and the beautiful in virtuous living and a virtuous life. We are not called just to turn around and face the way of safety and peace, but to continually feed our faith, continually feed it. And boy, do we have plenty to feed ourselves with in the Catholic Church, huh? With, with daily Mass options, Sunday Mass obligation, not out of fear, but out of love. Uh, the, the seven sacraments, uh, the lives of the saints, Lexio Divina, uh, just it goes on and on. And, and it's, it's just so beautiful how rich uh, the, the church is, her feast days, her memorials, her solemnities, uh, the role of the Blessed Mother in our lives, uh, the, the, the role of the saints, the role of St. Joseph. You know, th these are just beautiful truths. And, and the conversion of St. Paul that we celebrate today in Acts 9 that we read so clearly about is perhaps the preeminent conversion story, right, of Christian history, being blinded and hearing the heavenly voice of Jesus is nothing short of outstanding. That's not metaphorical. That's literal, right? Most people don't have an experience like that, though. <laughs> our conversions aren't sudden. They're usually gradual. Uh, we maintain our physical senses, and we don't have our names changed as Paul did. Uh, so Paul's conversion was extraordinary, and, and again, he continued to move forward. Uh, and, and David, you know, you, you echo what, what uh, Dr. Scott Hahn says so clearly in, in his uh, Protestant uh, theology training days at the Protestant seminary. He says, we were just given a very cursory view of the Church Fathers, and even then it was very, very selective of which ones we read. We read some Augustine, we might have read some Ambrose, but that was it. You know, and I, I love uh, I love the early accounts of Justin Martyr when he's before uh, the the Roman uh, Tribune uh, Tribune uh, Rusticus, and Rusticus asks Justin, he says, "Do you have some idea that if you are killed right now by us, you will go up to heaven immediately?" And Justin's response is, "No, it's not an idea. It's not an idea I have at all. It's pure fact that I have." That's pretty powerful. <laughs> It's not an idea I have, Rusticus. Rather, it's fact that I have. Because Justin knew revealed truth. 
And that's the beauty of, of, of the fullness, the fullness of the Christian faith, which we know to be in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So David, thank you so much, and go out and get a good steak tonight to celebrate this feast day on the church's universal calendar. God bless you now. Next up is Karen. She is in the Baxter and Brainerd area of Minnesota, listening on the EWTN app. Karen, you are on with Father Wade. Hello. Hello, Karen. Thank you for your call. Hi. I just have a, a episode, an instance to share that has changed my faith forever. Uh, Twelve years ago, I was in the birthright office where I have been a, I have been a volunteer for birthright since 1974 when we started here in Brainerd. And I got this phone call, and it was a young mom uh, who was crying and mm. and on her way to the abortion clinic um, hun- hun- over 100 miles from where we live. And she had already traveled almost that far. Uh, and just figured she she had four children already and just didn't see how she could handle any more children. And so we talked and how we could help her and that kind of thing. And and she said, okay, I'll call you back later. And um, so called for prayer and and just sort of tried the waiting game. Uh, finally, about six hours later, she called me and said, I didn't do it. Mm. And the story was when she got to the abortion clinic, um, of course, somebody handed her some literature. There were uh, pro-life people outside. And when she got in and they did the ultrasound, the technician, who, of course, I'm sure wasn't supposed to say this, said, you're going to have twins. And she got up and got off the table and left. When she called me, she was just so, it was just like she had bargained with God on her way down that for no reason did she have to think it would be twins, but that if it was twins, she wouldn't do it. Mm. Um, so after this, it's been a 12-year, we've been friends now for 12 years, and the child children are beautiful, And but the part of the story that's so amazing is I asked her after we've gotten to know each other how, where she found our number or what made her call the birthright number because I didn't know of any place in where she lived or anything that she would have found it. And she said, well, when I was driving down this road and she told me this road and everything, there was this big billboard and it was translucent. She said it was just, it was black and white and these numbers just stood out on the board, and it was this 1-800 number, and I called it. Well, she and others of us went and drove that road a few times, and there is no billboard there. So needless to say, (laughs) that was the miracle in my life that I just has changed my faith forever. Um, Amen. And so uh, it's just, yeah, it's made every day that I've sat in that office and the phone didn't ring worth it. Amen, Karen. What a beautiful, beautiful story, uh, how you were there for her at the right time, at the right moment, uh, in her time of trial as a young mother. I don't say a young mother-to-be, because by virtue of the pregnancy, she's already a mother. Amen. And uh, you were there for her, and how God used you to continue to support her 
uh, not only for the rest of the caring of those children during her gestation, but also after birth. And now 12 years later, you and she still keep in contact. And now the, 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 the two twins are, are late adolescents entering into their teen years. So what a, what a beautiful thing, you know. Uh, the unseen graces that accompany uh, conversion for all of us are, are no less powerful, right? Now, you've never left the church per se, you make note of, but such experiences are very powerful, and so they help sustain you and keep you grounded in your faith, right? And, and in the sacrament of baptism, for example, we, we are cleansed of, of original sin, and, and by the way, any personal, actual, mortal, or venial sin that may have been committed after the age of reason, if, if those kinds of sins are on the person's soul. This is why before, uh, before entering the Catholic Church at the Easter Vigil, if they're going to be baptized at the Easter Vigil, they don't have to go to confession first. Because the baptism at the Easter Vigil will wipe away not only the original sin, but also any actual uh, personal, that is, mortal or venial sin that they, that they will have committed after the age of reason. But, but baptism uh, solidifies us in this life of Christ as, as the gateway sacrament, meaning it's normatively speaking the sacrament received before the other six can be received. And the Holy Spirit comes more fully to dwell in our soul bring the Spirit's gifts of understanding and knowledge and wisdom and counsel and fortitude and piety and fear of the Lord. Well, you, Karen, having those gifts by virtue of your baptism from your Catholic faith that you've never left, okay, are solidified by even life's experiences as you've experienced and described today on Open Line Tuesday. And not only that, but you're able to inspire somebody else so this, this is all an example of this ongoing process of conversion, huh? And this is a beautiful, beautiful, or these, I should say in the plural, these are beautiful, beautiful realities that we need to acknowledge and embrace and share and witness about. So Karen, thank you so much for your call from Minnesota today. We really appreciate it. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Still a couple of open phone lines at 833 833- Two eight eight three nine eight six. Next stop is Racine, Wisconsin. Margie is in the great state of Wisconsin, listening on WSFI Radio. Margie, thanks for holding. You're on with Father Wade. Hi, Father Wade. Thanks for taking my call. I have a I have kind of a St. Paul conversion experience. Great. Um, I had um, uh, this was back when I lived in Chicago. A dear neighbor who was an Assembly of God pastor, uh, most peaceful man that I've met in my entire life, and. After my husband had lost my job, his job, he took him out to breakfast, and then um, he came over, Aaron came over to talk to me. So we sat in our back porch, and he said, Margie, I know that in your faith that the sacrament of confirmation is supposed to be like an adult acceptance of your faith. And it's supposed to be like, an uh, you, you know, you agree, you, you're entering into uh, accepting the Lord, you know, and you friendship with God and, you know, a relationship with Jesus. And I said, you know what, Aaron, I have had 12 years of Catholic education, and no one, no one's ever brought that up. No one's ever talked about having a friendship with God or, you know, a relationship with Jesus. Nobody. He says, okay, fine, let's do this. Pray with me now. I want you to repeat after me. So he walked me through, like the sinner's prayer, and I was kind of sarcastic, Father Wade. I said to him, okay, Aaron, what's supposed to happen now? Is Bill Lightning going to come out of the sky? I was really, you know, had an Mm -hmm. attitude. And he started to laugh, and he said, Margie, you wait. This is what I want you to do. He says, I know you read Scripture. 
But what I want you to do now is I want you to listen. I want you to take a notebook and a pen, and I want you to be quiet after you, um, after you pray and after you read the scriptures. I want you to be quiet. And I said, well, no one's ever told me that. He said, well, I'm telling you that. And I want you to do this every day, and I want you to keep at it. You know, don't, don't get discouraged, but keep at it. And um, holy mackerel, my whole, my whole faith life changed. Wow. Uh, I really came to know the Lord in a much deeper way than at the time, and now I'm just striving. I'm striving for that union with God every day. I really try to, you know, get as close to Him as I can. And it was all because the Lord sent Aaron. He mm. sent him. He was his messenger. He used him as an agent of the Holy Spirit to touch my heart. And, you know, in the beginning I thought, oh, you know, what, what kind of thing is this, you know? But, wow, I mean, I just basically got bowled off my feet. The Holy Spirit came down in a beautiful, in a Margie. powerful way. Yeah, so Amen. I, I want to uh, encourage people to be open to the Holy Spirit and say, yes, Lord, you know, I, I need you in my life and, and and your life is not your own. It really isn't. We all That's right. belong. It's to on the loan Lord. to us. <laughs> That's right. You know, uh, on this great feast day of the conversion of St. Paul, this January 25th today, I, I have my Mother Angelica mug I'm holding up here. Why? Because in celebration of the fact that it's today's feast day, Mother loved the feistiness of St. Paul. She would frequently... Uh, make uh, note of that in various ways verbally uh, during her shows and, and her talks and whatnot. And uh, so she loves St. Paul very dearly. And, and I remember her saying, people often say to me, well, God doesn't speak to me. The person would tell mother, God doesn't speak to me. And mother says, oh, yes, he does. He speaks to you every day through other people through other people. And this is a, a beautiful example of that, Margie, how this, this gentleman, one of our Protestant brothers, um, who, who, possesses elements of the truth uh, in his Protestant faith. Vatican II is very clear about that. Not the fullness of truth, but strong elements of the truth. Uh, and, and, and he was able to share with you in regards specifically to prayer, something that, that you never felt you got from 12 years of Catholic school, that is to say, how to pray. Uh, and now, because of that experience you've had from your friend, uh, you're now able to delve into what the Church teaches about the different levels of prayer, huh? Uh, for example, the, the Carmelite school through St. Teresa of Avila, the unitive way, the illuminative way, the purgative way, etc. And uh, actually, I should reverse those, the purgative way, then the illuminative way, then the unitive way. That's just one example. The different schools of Catholic spirituality have the different ways of describing uh, the ascent uh, to God in, in, in union through prayer in this life while still living, I might add. Uh, and so the and of course the Eucharist, the source and summit of the Christian life, Margie, as you well know as a Catholic, is uh, part and parcel with this union with God, the the foretaste of heaven even now, by regular reception worthily of His body, blood, soul, and divinity. So just a, a beautiful witness call, Margie, and we we thank you so so much for your call today from uh, Racine, Wisconsin, and and. Since you're from Wisconsin, I just want to say, maybe you've done this already, but if you haven't, you have two beautiful, beautiful Marian shrines there to visit for your pilgrimage sometime this year during 2022. The Fathers of Mercy staff, the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help uh, in New Franken, um, or Champion, Wisconsin. The town goes by both names, whether or not you're using the post office there. <laughs> Champion, Wisconsin, or New Franken, Wisconsin, right there. And also the beautiful Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe, 
which Cardinal Raymond Burke helped oversee the building of uh, when he was there as bishop in La Crosse Diocese. So uh, two beautiful shrines in that beautiful state of Wisconsin. So you're very, very fortunate. Thank you so much, Margie, for your call today. Next stop is Olympia, Washington. Walter is in the great state of Washington listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Walter, you're on with Father Wade. Hi, Father. Um, thank you for taking my call, um, and I really like your show. Um, I had a very powerful conversion experience uh, April 19th, 1983. And uh, at that time, and years before, I was using cocaine regularly. Mm-hmm. And that night, uh, I was coming down off of the cocaine. It was wearing off. I was feeling very depressed. Very uh, almost suicidal, and uh, I was thirty-one year old man living at home with uh, my parents, uh, making you know minimum wage. And anyway, that night I felt uh, uh, God working through the Holy Spirit. And every time I prayed to the Holy Spirit, and I felt demons leave my body through my fingertips, very much like Mary. Uh, Mary Magdalene had mm-hmm. the seven demons, although I don't know if all the demons were, were have been eliminated, but from that time on, my life has changed just dramatically, and it was just amazing. Every time I said the word Holy Spirit, I could feel, hear the demon inside me growl, mm-hmm. as if, you know, couldn't take it anymore, and that, the next morning, it was like, Night and day, completely different person. I, I you know, I, I, I love my parents more, and I, oh, uh, I, be, I became a Catholic. I went through RCIA, and um, I met my wife um, uh, as uh, at the chapel in uh, San Jose, at the Midi Chapel over there at um, Archbishop Midi High School. And we've been married thirty years. Uh, we've become music uh, ministers. I, I played guitar at jails and prisons, and I, I became a social worker to help people with mental health issues who often um, have uh, chemical dependency issues as well. You know, I, I've helped uh, run groups and things like that. Anyway, I've done things that uh, before 1983 I never thought were possible. Right, right. And this following an addiction to cocaine— so because of your life experiences with that addiction, Walter, regardless of how bad that was in your life, and indeed an evil in your life, that, that cocaine addiction, look how God was able to still use those negative experiences for you to now help others in recovery. And uh, you have since joined the Catholic Church, uh, you met a, your, your beautiful wife, you're active in the faith. Um, you're able to continue to assisting others. So again, mercy is who God is, right? It's love's second name. God is more interested in our future, amen to that, than he is in our past. He's more interested in the kind of person we can yet become than in the kind of person we used to be. While indeed taking those sins seriously from our past, Walter, he never, ever takes those sins as the last word. Why? Because he knows he's made us in his image and likeness. He knows he calls us constantly to a life of his sanctifying grace. And he knows he is our God, again, who's bigger than any sin we might ever commit. And he can take um, uh, stumbling stones, if you will, and make them into building blocks, as we often hear said in Christian circles. He can take stumbling 
uh, stones and make them into building blocks of, of an edifice very, very beautiful. And so we thank you, Walter, for your great uh, witness call today from Olympia, Washington. God bless you now and have a, have a beautiful day. You know, we do EWTN's open line every day at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Check us out tomorrow on Wednesday. Father Mitch Pack was in the house. That's EWTN open line Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Quickly, we'll head to Nathan in Fargo, North Dakota, listening on Real Presence Radio. Nathan, just a couple minutes left with Father Wade. Go right ahead. Yeah, hey, just wanted to let everybody know that everything you guys have said is so true. Uh, About three years ago, I had left the church early after I had left my parents' house, um, got married, did that whole thing, and the church was definitely a thing that was not on the radar. Uh, Unfortunately, my marriage ended in divorce. I had to sell my house. Uh, I poured my heart out to God and didn't have many options left. And within five days, I think we might have lost him. Well, I've gotten deeper and deeper in our faith. But um, with that being said, that pray the rosary. Can't say it enough. Pray the rosary. If you want to get closer to God and Jesus, pray the rosary daily, and it will change your life. And, And I can't thank you guys enough for everything you've done. Nathan, thank you so much for your call today from Fargo. You know, the rosary is the weapon. The devil hates the Blessed Virgin. The devil hates the rosary. Uh, St. Padre Pio called the rosary the weapon. And I would add, pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet as well. If you can pray those two staple prayers uh, in the life of the Catholic faith daily, you will see your life begin to change. Uh, with, with sincere effort coupled with those two prayers on your, on, on your part, wanting to truly, again, to begin to pursue the good and the true and the beautiful and to shun sin. And, and you're right, Nathan, it, it, it's an absolutely powerful prayer. And, uh, you know, you state here that you were away from the church for 19 years. You never really received a two-by-four in, in the head, as you said, but a ton of continual progress in the conversion process. And that's the very condition that most of us find ourselves in, in the process of conversion. So it, it's great to, to hear you say that. Again, not only that it's ongoing, but that the process itself was begun not really through anything spectacular, uh, an event uh, that was spectacular, no. Uh, but it was gradual, and it still is gradual in the progression of it. But you're remaining faithful, and that's the main thing. You know, Jack, I want to say this. We've had so many great witness calls today. I want to urge all of our listeners and viewers today to uh, grab the, the visual YouTube feed of this show today and pass it on to other people and share with them this great story on the Feast of St. Paul's Conversion, uh, these great stories of conversion. Amen. Would you leave us with a blessing? I sure will, Jack. May the blessing of Almighty God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners and remain with each and every one of you this day and always. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us. Back at it tomorrow with Father Mitch. Until then, God bless.